the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn, and Lisa Jernigan. That's right. Our, that's right. We are co-hosts. No, we're gonna have to learn. We're gonna have get, to learn that. One, uh, get a, sm- right? a smoother intro, right? So we can draw people <laughs> in something cute and clever. <laughs> Yeah, so so Jonathan and Lisa are are your hosts, and we're super excited about this. We're as we move into season two of Counterculture, and uh, you know, th- hopefully, your the last time you listened in, it was it got you motivated for what's ahead. So we're starting a series uh, called War and Peace, and War and Peace is really to focus. I mean, right now in the news every day, it's powerful imagery for almost the last month is what's going on in Ukraine. It's mm-hmm. it's very very powerful what the the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and uh, we felt that that's a, a, an issue that's right on the on the top of a lot many people's minds and what's going on in the world and it's scary because it's the stakes seem very high, but um, I think we also want to get into it that it's personal for right. you know and for me and so I'm actually Lisa you you know you. You mentioned this, and it just like I, I yeah, I really I have something to say about this, and uh, you know, so for my listeners, I lived in Russia for two years, and I also spent a fair amount of time in Ukraine, several visits, and um, and so uh, just and so that's I actually would call Russia and Eastern Europe kind of like my second home, mm-hmm. if any if any other place in the world would be, you know, it's mm-hmm. I've been. In, L.A., Phoenix, and a little bit other places, but uh, in, in other countries. But really, for the I mean, more than two years, and I lived with a Russian family. Um, wow. So you know, so I was at one point I was kind of fluent in Russian, and so I and minored in Russian at Arizona State University. So Russia was my thing for like a decade. You know, I encourage people around the world, around around churches, to to love and pray for Russia, even potentially go there. So it was a big part of my life, especially mm-hmm. in the '90s right. uh, when I when I spent there, and so and I, so this it hits me hard, you know. Right. So and I I think I at times been on the verge of tears almost every day with something that you can I, I can personally trigger. Right? Yeah, there's so many triggers that happen mm-hmm. that when you feel like something kind of like your home is right. being destroyed right. or. So we can, but I thought we that's worth talking about. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, the thing like even traveling, and you know, both of us have traveled a lot. And so mm-hmm. then, like even I, you know, been in Egypt or South Africa or you know different places in the Middle East. And when things happen, world events happen, it's not that country over there. Right. It's my friends. Right. And then it becomes deeply personal. Right. And how I hear the news, how I see things, mm-hmm. I start taking contact. Want to make sure 
they're okay, how are they feeling, just being mm-hmm. there. So if like for you, I thought it was really interesting when you were showing how you live there. And we're seeing all these images um, and pictures of right. the cities and the bombed out. But you live there. Yeah. And so like like you said, it's deeply personal because – in my, I would assume you see people. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so it's the human side mm-hmm. to war. A lot of times we only see war from a political point yes, of view. Right. And then it's violence, and it's who's right, who's wrong, who's invading, all this stuff, which is important. Right. But that we awful kind of forget about the human side mm-hmm. to war. And one of the things like at Amplify Peace, we're so, um, how do we amplify the voices of women? And mm-hmm. whenever there's war or conflict, women and children carry the biggest yes. burden, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that in Ukraine too, when yes. the men can't leave, they have to stay to fight. Yep. They, women and children having to say goodbye to fathers and uncles and, and, and siblings and sons right. and fleeing. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. I can't even imagine Quickly having to escape, say goodbye, not knowing if you'll ever see, ever see your husband again. again. Right. At the images. So, can you just share with us a little bit? Because I think, you know, just the relationship of Russia with Ukraine, the languages, are, right. are they similar? Are they different? How do the people normally before this interact? Does it, give us some insight into right. life as a Russian, as a mm-hmm. Ukrainian. So, yeah, that's a huge question. They go, you know, these are thousand year old cultures right. with long histories going back to, to early, you know, even at one point, Moscow was part of the the Kiev Empire, you know, from the Ukrainian Empire, and 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 also under the Soviet Union, Ukraine was part of the. And yeah. so there's long histories, a lot of it negative, uh, hostile. Other times there are moments of peace, and so there, you know, the, it goes back just for little thousands of you know a thousand years of long standing, and some some are deep had held grievances. Uh, some are claims to land. Um, some are the inferiority, uh, like Russia. You know, currently there, there's a lot of language in Russia about the inferiority of Ukraine and culture and the people, and mm. they need to be liberated. Um, but uh, but so but but there's also a lot of Russians and, and Ukrainians married and to one another and family members. So there's a lot of intertwining. One thing that happened when. Um, in, in one of Stalin's strategies was when you take over a, like a, a, an, an area, you russify it, mm. and therefore you would bring in Russians, but and also then take out people from that culture, and they would intermingle, and uh, oh, so that the, the cultures become more one and the same. Mm. And so there are many Russians, even in the in the Stalin eras, were brought down into Ukraine, and this happened in Kazakhstan. This happened in Georgia. It happened all through the former Soviet Union. And so that that created a kind of a uh, they, the intention was to to in a sense assimilate mm-hmm. the uh, cultures in and so, but now some cultures have moved have separated and they want to they like I think six like the eastern part of Ukraine speaks a lot more Russian and the western part speaks mostly Ukrainian. I thought I would understand Ukrainian fairly well. It's but it's more different. It's probably about fifty percent. Uh, you know, I understand some of it, and um, Slava and Slava Ukraine, and and um, and it's, it's, there's a lot. There's some things that are very similar wow. to Russian, but there's also things that are quite a bit different. So I don't think I I, I speak it that well. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm say, just, dare to I'm say. I'm so impressed you speak yeah. any of that because that just sounds like a very yeah. Tough <laughs> <And> so, yeah. <laughs> 
So I, one, I did learn, you know, I got, I got to the point where I would say it was conversational in Russian, and I did a little bit of translation for some some workers there, and, and uh, did uh, actually was on a I was on a Russian television show, wow. and even performed in Russian. Uh, um, to uh, a, a city event of about five thousand people that was also televised. Wow! <laughs> so this it was at the. It was like, oh, you want to perform? We're doing, oh, the mayor's there. Oh, it's a, it's a whole like. Okay, a, so that would be hard enough in English. Yeah, that would be hard enough to English. <laughs> but I did that. And then you just. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So that was hilarious. And actually, the fun, fun fact: I the, the I had this group with me of students who were like it was. I was representing this camp that was like a cross cultural camp. And it was Russian led, and they would learn English and um, and German were the main languages that they were learning. So they usually had a, a, an act. They tried to bring in a, a native speaker of English and a native speaker of German to kind of be guests. So I had become like for the summer their honored guest. Mm. And so I so I, for a talent night I did in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps <laughs> and I on guitar, and I got everyone. Just kind of in, at the camp to sing along with me, bimbo up the wimbo up the wimbo. And so I was playing guitar, and it just was like a hit. It was one of those like it just sort of caught on. It, it was the pre days of that would have gone viral, right? The, oh, it, for you know, sure. But that was the equivalent of viral in the city. I would have loved to hear the accent to that. <laughs> wimbo <laughs> up. Yeah, I can't even do the Russian accent of the singing in the jungle. Um, so I got – we did the performance and so it was just one of those like you can't believe you're in the middle of doing In the Jungle in Russia, you know, with a, a televised to you know, tens of thousands of people and, you know, it just – it was a crazy like life experience. But but I – you know, so that – those experiences but really living in a Russian family. Uh, my first year I lived with an American group. I had an American roommate and then I had a, um, a Russian uh, during the – some friends during the summer that I stayed with. But my second year, I moved in with a Russian family because, and I didn't speak English for like a month. You know, I mean, I'd go long periods of time, so I got pretty comfortable. I was single, didn't you know? Was low, mm-hmm. low maintenance dude, you know. I could just, you know, and it was very kind of. I had a lot of freedoms, like, oh, let's go visit my friend over in, you know, across and over by Lake Baikal, and so we trained across Russia, you know, and so uh, that yeah. was in the winter, and so I would hang with. Russian troops and 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 a lot of the students that I spent time with were either going to be in the military or trying to get wow. out of the military or had been in the military because there there's just a, a strong like mili- they have a large you know three million mili- so that a lot of them they expect mm-hmm. uh, some military service and the standards were very low uh, very and very uh, often degrading so me some of my friends were even considering shooting their feet off. Oh, wow. So they wouldn't like I it's, if they can get out of being in the military, or if if or if you if you don't get finished college, you won't be an officer. So if you're not an officer, you're the you're dog meat pretty much. Wow. And we've we're, unfortunately we're kind of seeing that in the news that the mm-hmm. low level soldiers are kind of like just meat. Unfortunately, they're thrown into stuff poorly trained, and and so those fears are very real. But those are like I was around. Russian soldier guy, age guys, mm-hmm. and n- learned all the stories of what it was like to go through the military, and so those those soldiers are like I can see myself sure. hanging with them as I did as I as I used to, mm-hmm. and so those are people, They're you people. know, and no, and it doesn't necessarily change. I'm not dismissing any of the reality of what's going on today. I'm right. not talking about just, but the humanity behind. Every one of those faces is is very real to me. Right, and so I grew up in the Cold War, um, 
And I, we, we were the, the biggest enemy growing up as you and I probably was the, the Red Scare, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the evil empire on Russia. And those were very um, – you know, those shaped how we view the world. Those kind of like those glasses of why we view the world was just the big bad Russia. And I remember that. I don't remember that show. The day after mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. it was about the nuclear war. So we just or Red Dawn, all these these, right. these things that we thought we were going to be attacked at some point uh, by Russia. And, and there was some. It was understandable, but mm-hmm. we always had this fear. So when I actually in '91, when I first went to Russia, I sat down with a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andre. And we went – and often when you go to someone's home, uh, you – you when he, he invited me to his home, met his family, and we, we often looked through photo books. This was pre-internet. So yeah. we had – they had like, like little photo albums of like here's us. I mean – and it was almost usually like a life storybook. Right. This, this is what it was my, me in school. This is where he went for the summers. And so – and then show, and then in school, he showed me the, – they had these drawings that he had. And one of them was like these battles of him fighting Americans, and they was fighting and killing and winning and beating, you know, defeating the Americans. And the the weirdest thing about it is that the the style of it was almost identical to my own drawings. Like I drew some almost the exact same things. Wow! I was killing Russians because wow. they were the bad guys, and right. they, you know, and here I am with a Christian guy my age now in his home. Um. And seeing like we're brothers, mm-hmm. he, we're we're not only is he he's a human being who has value, and I mean, but it was it was that and more. It was like this is like a guy who's like a brother to me, and was you know Joe. So that was so I, that was another aha moment in my life. We're just kind of sure. wake up like this is what I had thought was the enemy is a human being, and. So and probably the fact that yeah. he saw you as an enemy, and this, yeah, and the right? same. Like, and now here we are. Americans yeah. are like, "What do you mean we're the enemy? We're, no, we're the good guys. We're we're for freedom, right? Right. right. <laughs> so yes. we're the good guys, and they're like, they've and they've got their reasons why they might doubt that, and they you know they they all know about not you know Hiroshima and mm-hmm. with and the things you know CIA takeovers of different countries and all things. They know all our bad stuff, mm-hmm. and we know all their bad stuff. And that's often how we filter everything. And but yet now I'm sitting on his couch and he, mm. you know, seeing things very differently. And the proximity, the proximity, the face to yeah, face, the face the to face, right, changes and, everything. Yeah, it does right? change everything. And so really, and and to, so so to have pe- friends like him and so many others who became kind of like brothers to me, as well as p- the family I lived with, treated me like a son. It's like there's just a deep family sense that I had in Russia. But then also, I've also taught i've spoken at a church in kiev and i've taught at a at a at a, a, a christian group in western in western ukraine as well spent did a conference there on how to serve the needy in your own community spent a week you know more than a week there so i've spent a you know a few weeks in in ukraine and i have a deep love for the ukrainian people it's not like russia is my people and ukrainian aren't it's like that we're the same as well sure. there's this deep level of like, and uh, interesting in fact that Ukraine is the has been the fastest growing evangelical church in in Europe for like the last fifteen years. Mm. A lot, that's there's such a huge boon of of Christ followers throughout the whole country, including Irpin is one of a, kind of a headquarters of a lot of evangelical groups in in Ukraine. That's just for that uh, a, a city right outside of Kiev, and so there's just a lot. God's doing some has been doing some great things. You know, training up pastors and planning churches and calling people to him in this country. So, 
So there's a, a lot of and so there's a lot of deep level of connection for me mm-hmm. for what's going on in Ukraine. Right. So yeah. So that's just a little background. I think it's fascinating because we have to start seeing the human side. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, it's like even as we're hearing that there's a lot of Russians that don't agree with this. Mm-hmm. And and yet they can't use their voice because right. threatening and they're like, what do we do? Do we stay silent? Right. Do we use our voice? And I've thought about that a, a lot. Like if that was me, yeah. what am I willing to risk use my voice to help speak. other people, right? right? right. To speak. And a lot of times it's hard because of these geographic borders tells us we're enemies. Yep. If you're on this side, you're our enemy. If you're on this side, you're our enemy. Mm-hmm. Instead of going like what you said, you, you love both people. Right. You have amazing experiences with Russians and mm-hmm. with Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking at Russia and Ukraine, you look at Russians and Ukrainians. Ukrainian. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the people. Mm-hmm. And um, just it challenges us to pray differently for them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You want God. I mean – Wars happened all through human history, mm-hmm. and I, it's it re, it's challenging now because we see the images so vividly. Right. I mean, you're you're almost catching the war in real time, unfiltered through the internet, and your camp, you know, cameras on soldiers' helmets. You're watching some of these things, or you know, or drones or whatever. All this kind of it's amazing. But it's like you, it's almost if that's the if we're getting a drone view, we have to say like, what is God's view? Sure. Of what's going on, and God can even use horrific has and will continue to use the the evils of men and turn them to the good of of the ultimate good. Right. And I have no idea what that looks like. And I can and I realize I'm I'm living comfortably in a phoenix which has never been had artillery strikes on it. Right, right. and right. so we, I understand how easy it is to say that. And this doesn't in any way diminish the horrors of what ha- is having to be endured of – to, to, to see your entire city bombed out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I've, I've lived in apartment buildings just like those, all those ones that are being trashed out. Those are, those are like my old – the way I used to live. And so, so – but, but when we – it helps us to pray like, God, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. How could – could this be the – is it a way to unite more people around the world that maybe there's – some of the divisions we thought are so big aren't maybe as big as we thought. There's other. Right. There's act, we actually have more in common than we don't. Or maybe there are things that are heroic and worth you know living for, worth risking your life for. Right. You know, I think that's really a great things that. And then God, and then ultimately God moves people around and can bring new stories and new things into the world that we need to hear. New, you know, and I I hopefully it's a, it's a, it, in you know a year or two from now. We're going to think very differently, uh, in, in a better way about right. the world, you know. So, right. to- well, and you know, it, it's it's easy to um, dismiss because it's happening over there, the other side of the world, right? right. Like you said, right. it's here very comfortably, right? And it's quiet outside, yep. You know, um, but we forget that we're all connected as human beings, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when one of us hurts, we all hurt. Yes, or we should. We right? should. We should yeah. feel the pain, right? Yeah. And so, how do we be there for? Our brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. support them, and pray, really pray for them, mm-hmm. um, and see them. And I think that's what's beautiful about you know when we step across lines, whatever those are, right? To start seeing human beings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to feel the empathy, and to go by the grace of God, it could be me, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. why was I born here? Right. At right. this time, right? right? I could have been born anywhere, 
and have a totally different totally story different and narrative. Story. Yeah, right. Right? Than what's happening. And, you know, I was talking the other day <clears throat> to a friend in Bulgaria. Right. And they're seeing um, Ukrainians flee in, into their right. country. And then they're on the border with Romania, Moldova, and stuff. Right. And so she's bringing women together because she said, you know, as cultures come together, you have Ukrainians and Russians and right. Bulgarians. And she said, it's like even how do we talk to each other and hear each other's stories? Wow. So they're just starting. They're making bread together. And mm. it's a common thing because they need that over right. there. And they're making extra. And they're collecting things that go take to the borders for other people to get into people. But they're also sharing their stories so they can understand each other's journey. Wow. For, so for a Ukrainian, like you're sharing these two different narratives, right? right? Completely. And right now they're at war with each other. But there's right. beautiful people in both. Right. So how do we stand against the injustice? Right. But love and honor the people, right? And that's our challenge. It is a challenge. And I think it's it's easy to give – like that tension is really important because right. uh, it's easy to give voice to one. You, you, if you sound like, oh, I just love everybody and forget, and, and you can almost neglect right. that there's, there are things to fight for. Sure. There are things that are really evil in the world that we speak out against. But there's also people that all, – that's all they ever talk about. It's everything's a constant battle and there's no place – for the human, and we, we want to also bring voice to the humanity and mm-hmm. and and really and ultimately how the God God's eyes on these situations, right? Right. right. And like, there's his children are there fighting, and uh, you know, are being killed and burned and all that. Whether they're in, in a Russian tank or in an apartment apartment building or whatever, for no fault of their own, that's this is a situation. And God love wants to bring his uh, shalom and his peace into these situations so we can keep praying for that, mm-hmm. whether it's the cease, not, not just the ceasing of fighting, but ultimately so much more than that. Like right. it can open up new opportunities of compassion, growth, and Christ, you know, Christ being lifted up. Right. Absolutely. And you're in the midst of all of that, God is still doing beautiful things. And mm-hmm. the best of humanity comes out. I mean, we even saw right. this during COVID. It brought out the best and it brought out the worst. Yeah. Right? Right. And a lot of times the the bad parts are louder. Those voices are louder. So you right. tend to think it's everybody. Right. But really they scream the loudest. And there's a lot of beautiful things happening in our world and people, beautiful people doing beautiful things. Yes. And so how do we still focus on that? Mm. Right? And not just go um, – you know, we're divided, we got polarization, we got all of this, but here's solutions. Here's what right. healing looks like. Here's what shalom looks like. Kind of redirecting people to the movements of God and how we can be part of mm-hmm. of the healing, joining yeah. God in that, restoring right. to shalom, right? right? And even as we pray and as we see people in Ukraine and Russia, but not forgetting there's still an Afghan right. Afghanistan crisis, and there's still all these other crises around yeah. the world, too. It's like, how do we hold the world and see it through the lens of God and yeah. through the lens of Jesus right. and pray for all people that our humanity will overcome our nationalism? I know. Right? Yeah, and right. that's the thing. It's like, mm-hmm. we're all human beings. We happen to live in different places, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Under different circumstances. And I brought up this point before, but I mean, the idea of putting the kingdom first really is putting the kingdom above nation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this... I hope helps us to find our common, our true citizenship in heaven, and that we we have more in common. <laughs> really, we have yeah. It just gives us more humanity and more in common with people who are around the world and suffering. We can share in that. We can pray with that through that. Pray for protection. Pray for provision, and pray the end. We we pray for the end of this war and uh, that it stops. But ultimately, God will, will glorify Himself big time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> through this. You know. Right. 
Well, even as you read through the Old Testament and and the, in, in the Bible, and you see where God intervened and did miraculous things right. that you you couldn't even understand, right? right? And um, that's what that's what we're praying, yeah, for, right? That God would intervene and do miraculous things that that would really point the people to God, Cause, right? Because the world is on, and you see so much on social media about pray for Ukraine, right? right? Also need to pray for the Russians, sure, yeah, and um, and for the the church there mm-hmm. that's yeah. very much alive and trying to figure out how do we use our voice yeah. and they're risking persecution and and just common people too that are going we don't want this either yeah. right right and so yeah. how do we pray and lift them up and mm-hmm. pray for um, just a new way of of doing life and I think yeah. that's. That's our calling as human beings is not forget, mm-hmm. right? Not forget and just get comfortable in life and let it be the news of, you know, sometimes things rise up and it's the flavor of the month. Yeah. And then it kind of slowly dies and something else takes its place, yeah, right? that's right. But, yep. But for those people, they're still living with those realities. Yeah. So how do we, even as believers, hold others around the world, right? Love, love in that. prayer. Yeah. And don't forget them. So. so okay, so so we'll close with our question. We okay. like to do our open end question. So yes. here's here's the question. Go for it. Jesus said to love your enemies. Mm-hmm. So what enemy do I need to be praying for mm. today? So I'll just throw that out there. That's a good question. So I, I, well, I, I, I come up with one every once in a while. Well, you know what's good about that question because there's not an easy answer. Yeah. And there's not really an answer to say. Yeah. It's like, mm, I need to think about that. Yeah, let's right? think about that. Yep. And think about who my enemy is and who, who, the, who, who the other is. Who the other is. And who they are. Yeah. All and, of and that, who does right? God want, what does God want for them and mm-hmm. what to happen? Yeah. yeah. So good. Another great, another great show. And if you to tune in more, what is it? Go to AmplifyPeace.com. Yes. And, and follow us on Instagram yeah, and Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. So. And we'll, we want to interact with our listeners. Yeah. So, yeah, join us. Another great show. Thank you, Lisa. This has been good. Looking forward to next week. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.